so tell me about yourself like Thank where you. are you from and you know how'd you grow up i i see you have a lot of movies on your instagram and i love a lot of them oh some of them are some of my personal favorites so please tell me more about yourself well, uh, my name is Ali. I am uh, from Iran. In particular, I was born in the city of Isfahan, which uh, is a province in uh, central Iran. And then when I was five, we moved to Tehran, which is the capital of Iran. Okay. And uh, well, I started my fascination with stories for as long as I can remember. But the movie specifically, I think I was 17 when I watched the movie The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. Yeah, which, okay. Uh, is my favorite movie of all time. And after that, uh, I said, I want, I want to make movies. Uh, I have a bachelor's in cinema from oh, the nice. Surya University of Art. Thank you. And uh, I am right now studying for my master's in awesome. uh, Tehran University of Art. Thank you. Cool, cool, yeah. And uh, I mostly work as a writer slash director slash very occasional actor. Not a very good one. If your character looks like me, acts like me, and talks like me, I can give you that. But, you know. <laughs> like outside of that, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Even if you want me to change an accent, I'm like, are you sure you want me for this role? I think you need a proper actor for this. Right, right. Um, <laughs> no, I, I definitely relate to that. <laughs> and uh, so that's basically a short version of who I am. I, I have a bunch of other projects too. I do have a YouTube channel and uh, a couple of podcasts as well. <laughs> Nice, nice. No, yeah, I, I was looking at your um, YouTube page earlier and I saw you have this series called um, I Crafter, I believe it's called. And I Oh, noticed, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, like, what um, inspired you to create that series? And are there any more episodes that are going to be coming up in the next few months, maybe, you know, years? Well, uh, that's, uh, I, I need to, I'm sorry, I need to explain. I do have, I have, have two YouTube channels. That is my personal YouTube channel, Ali Hamse YouTube channel. Uh, iCrafter was basically, I love crafting videos. I like uh, people like Bill making stuff, Black yeah. Magic Craft, Luke Toran, people like that. Okay. And I sort of wanted to try to do what they were doing. But I also realized a lot of the stuff that they do, they are professionals. Like they right. know what they're doing. Right. I don't. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I thought I need to film myself doing that. Uh, it's been a while since I made an episode for that. As you probably can see, it has only two episodes. And right. it's been a while. Uh, but I do want to keep trying and make more. I do have a few ideas, but... Basically, I just need to start crafting stuff that right, I haven't right. done for quite a while. Mm -hmm. I'm not but, sure if um, you're familiar. Um, there's a channel called Nerdforge, and I, I, I forget where they're based. I think somewhere in Europe, but um, it's... Uh, yeah, yeah, I am familiar. I okay. think they're Swedish. Okay. Yeah, on yeah. Norway. Norwegian yeah, something like or that. Swedish, yeah. Right, right. No, yeah, I love their videos. They're really good, yeah. Yeah, and they're quite enviable for me because, like, the 
grand projects that they can make. It's like, I, I want to make them. Right, right. You Please feel inspired. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then it's like you try to do it, but then it doesn't turn out like quite the same at all. So you're a little discouraged. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly my crafting experience. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So yeah, tell me more about, let's, um, let's see. I see you have, so you mentioned The Good and the Bad and the Uglies, you know, one of your favorite movies. I see so many things, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, Pulp Fiction. I think that's The Passion of the Christ, Prince of Egypt, you know, all these movies, Corpse Bride, you know. I grew up with a lot yes. of these movies and it's just so cool to see someone else, you know, miles away from me also like, you know, loving these movies. So tell me about that. How did you like first see some of these films and or who exposed you to them and how you came about to really liking mm -hmm. them? Well, honestly, uh, weird thing is, I actually grew up with one of them, The Nightmare Before Christmas. I used to watch as a kid. Mm -hmm. I don't know who exactly showed it to me first. Uh, I know, I know for a fact because my mother kept telling me that that my it wasn't my mother because she was against that. She thought okay. it was too dark for a child my mm -hmm. age. But mm -hmm. I saw that and I loved it. <laughs> and the same sort of, I, I guess that sort of made my style because Tim Burton is one of my favorite directors of all time. And right. uh, not very much his current art, but his earlier stuff, amazing. And uh, so it sort of started like that. And then as I was growing up, uh, I realized that I tend to gravitate more towards uh, movies that have a certain style. Like yeah. at some point, I think uh, I need to explain something. I think of myself as a postmodernist in cinema, like the stuff that I write are mm -hmm. very postmodernist. Mm -hmm. And I think that comes from the fact that, like, very early on, I felt like, oh, the movies that have a style that I can remember the style more than I can remember the story right, are right. usually preferable for me. Yeah. Like Pulp Fiction, uh, the works of Quentin Tarantino, the works of David Cronenberg, I, I yeah. loved him. Uh, the works of the Coen brothers, even uh, Wes Anderson. Like Snatch. Yeah, yes, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Wes Anderson. I, I love Wes Anderson or Terry Gilliam, people yes. like that. And well, yeah. the grandfather of all of them is for me Sergio Leone oh yes I think a thousand percent yeah spaghetti westerns are sort of like the grandfathers of postmodernism cinema uh, it's a it's my claim don't quote me on that un <laughs> unless you want to get ridiculed by people who know what they're talking about <laughs> no I definitely agree with you though they, there's a stylized there's an appeal that comes with each of those directors style and I think it's very niche to see like how people are attracted to it because not everyone you know immediately likes those hyper stylized films a lot of people tend to gravitate more towards let's say you know a Disney movie like Frozen or you know Mulan or something or they'll go towards maybe something directed by um oh gosh Baz Luhrmann you know something completely different so yeah. It's interesting to see what types of film attract different types of people. So yeah, th that's great actually. That's really interesting. Thank you. Uh, 
there is this uh, I don't know if you've seen it or not the Green Knight which came out in 2021 yes yeah it was a great movie like it was yeah and it was beautiful yeah but it was again style over substance so as much as I've seen I'm not going to see this movie. There is one particular scene which grosses many people out. Right, uh, right, yeah. Yeah, understandable. You know what like, I see? Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, yeah, if you don't know what you're getting into, it can be a little like, wait, what am I watching here? <laughs> But I, I think it was exactly. a very beautifully filmed movie. The cinematography was just, oh gosh, it was very much needed, I think especially coming off of the pandemic. It was one of the first movies I saw. So it, it was just beautiful. It, I loved being able to immerse myself in not just a story, but just a visual, just eye candy. It's wonderful. It was a beautiful film. And the makeup and costume design, it was oh, wonderful. Yeah. The, I, I love the design of the Green Knight itself. Yes. Like, yeah. Even the sound design of his every movement, mm -hmm. having like the sound of like crushing wood, it right. was so great. Uh, Everything in that movie, it was a it was a work of art. It was truly an yeah. artistic masterpiece. It was very good. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's it's breathtaking. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Well, let me see. There, so I see like Interview with a Vampire, Princess Mononoke. Let's yes, talk about uh, anime, Spirited Away, I see. Um, how did you first come introduced to Studio Ghibli? Because I feel like everyone knows, you know, Spirited Away at least, you know? So tell me yeah, about it. You're, yeah. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think my experience is not very unique. Uh, they Studio Ghibli movies became sort of like big because they won a bunch of uh, different awards. Yeah, and they became known, and I I don't remember which one I saw first. I think it was Princess Mononoke. Mm -hmm. I was very little when I uh, saw it. I think around eight or nine. My father heard that oh, there is this movie that made a bunch of news, uh, and it's apparently very good. Mm -hmm. He showed it to me. I was very terrified. I didn't understand the word of it because I did uh -huh. not understand English, and I couldn't read very well. At I the, see at that age so I was just horrified by it mm -hmm. I remember the like I remember watching the uh, scene where the spirit of the forest yeah at the head yeah exploded yeah. right it's a very I, graphic I, I, scene <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and so that I think was the first one but the movie that really got me into it and Hayao Miyazaki is one of my favorite directors of all time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. is house moving castle yeah the amount yeah. of joy and the love i feel for house moving castle is i think unmatchable by anything else uh i do have this weird thing i tell my people uh, my friend my people my friend <laughs> that uh, uh it's that i think three movies are flawless uh, mm -hmm. not that They don't have any problems. It's just that the problems right. are so minuscule that it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's uh, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, Terry mm -hmm. Gilliam's Brazil, and mm -hmm. Miyazaki's House Moving, Moving Castle. 
because okay. I I can't tell you how much I love that animated movie. And the weird thing is, despite loving anime movies and Miyazaki and even Satoshi Kon and yes. people like that, I didn't start watching anime series until I was like 19. Like I mm-hmm. came into it very late. Mm. And but the first one I watched was Attack on Titan, which okay, great yeah. show. Right, right. Yeah, I have a lot of friends. I still have yet to see it. Unfortunately, I still need to watch it. <laughs> but all my friends say that it's amazing and that it's really good. So I do I do recommend it. I do recommend listening to your friends on that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and um then I watched Helsing and mm-hmm. uh well, I loved Helsing because, I, as probably you can guess from the movies, I love vampires. I love yeah, Dracula. Yeah. Right. And I love B-movies. And okay. Helsing is like the zenith of both things. It's a B-movie plot with B-movie characters, B-movie actions, talking about vampirism with as much seriousness as it can. Interesting. And okay. Yeah, I do recommend it. Uh, I know it's kind of weird. I hope that one day I can find a profile picture that isn't the major uh, uh, profile picture I have on many of my social accounts is the major, the villain of that story. Right, right. And it's it sends the wrong message because I don't believe in everything he says. He just has uh-huh. a cool design. I see, I see. <laughs> okay. And I, so I need to tell people... Yes, believe me. I do not believe everything that this Nazi uh, <laughs> vampire killer is saying. Right. But I mean, he has a he has a cool glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, definitely. And, uh, I, I can see the. Um, had, I guess not not Victorian, but you know the vampiristic um, essence come through in a lot of your. Um, like social media between the YouTube and Instagram and Twitter profiles. I'm like, okay, so it's kind of like underground, kind of like, um, not underground, underworld and like Blade sort of. Yes, yes. You, uh, speaking of Blade, uh, I think Blade was actually my first, uh, my second Marvel franchise that I saw after the X-Men. Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, like, wait, okay, so after ooh. X-Men, let me see. Who's your favorite X-Men? X-Men character? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm kind of basic. It's Wolverine because he has the best <laughs> movies. <laughs> I'll give you that much. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Logan is great. And yeah. Like, no, no, yeah. Logan none was of very the other movie. characters had Logan. <laughs> right, right. That is true. You're absolutely right. <laughs> But in the MCU in general, because, well, Fox is under Disney now yeah, and all of the stuff that that brings up, I liked Vision the most. And okay. the fact that he had, I don't think this is spoilers. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen all of it. So, yeah, go such, ahead. <laughs> oh, okay, great. So the fact that he had such an unceremonious death yeah. in infinity war was i know it led to wonder vision i haven't yet seen wonder vision okay because 
superhero fatigue is hitting me hard. Like, <laughs> I, honestly, I can't, I can't anymore. Right, but right. Uh, the thing is that uh, for, he had a very unceremonious death, and mm-hmm. I sort of now get why comic fans get so angry when um, Marvel or DC kill off their favorite characters yeah. so easily in the comics. I'm like, yeah, I. I get it. Like, right, yeah, right. they really did vision dirty in those movies. Yeah. No, it's true. A thousand percent. <laughs> it was unexpected and unwarranted. And I, it's not fair. He, he was a very good character. <laughs> yeah. And they didn't yeah. even mention him in the uh, end game. Right. Like, right. Exactly. Not even a mention. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, oh, so we were led up to this character for nothing, pretty much. I mean, yeah, WandaVision, okay, whatever. But, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm of the firm belief that Endgame was the end and everything after it is just a fever dream. Like, that was I, the yeah, perfect right. end point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a thousand I don't really care about the multiverse and all of that. <laughs> no, right. I feel like it's a bunch of, like, how, mm, how can I describe it? I feel like this is a bunch of like movies that they probably had in a closet somewhere sitting on a shelf already written and now they're just pulling from it to just continue making money. It's like we could have had all of these stories exactly. beforehand, but you didn't want to make them for whatever reason, whatever. I don't know whatever reason it's for, but you know, we could have had all of this all at once and had a really good good few years of movies coming out but now they're i feel like they're just trying to stretch it along just to gain profits but whatever yes exactly i'm, I'm yeah. with you on that it's I'm, I'm just tired of superheroes for the moment right. which is which is not great because i love superheroes right I love superhero movies but you know we've been dealing with the MCU for like 11, 12 years at exactly. this point. And I'm like, okay, I, I don't care anymore. <laughs> right, no, let yeah. It end. Exactly, yeah. And, and it could have ended with Endgame and I would have been perfectly fine, you know, just having it as a happy yeah. memory. But now they're marketing a lot of their newer movies like, oh, it's not yet over. Oh, this guy might, you know, and it's like, okay, <laughs> how many more years of this are we going to have to endure? <laughs> Exactly. Like, are you are you gonna burst the bubble yourself, Disney? Right. Right. <laughs> oh man. Well. But yeah, I see. Yeah. So I see, like, you like Friends and The Big Bang Theory, both like Horseman, Archer, oh, Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. Who would, the what, Big Bang Theory is no longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Bang Theory is no longer on the list. Uh, right, it was right, okay. replaced by Rick and Morty, and then Rick and Morty was replaced by Frasier, ah, which I love. <laughs> okay, okay, interesting. I haven't seen Frasier yet. Okay, that's interesting to see. Okay, Frasier kind of I it's a personal thing for me, I guess, uh-huh. uh, because it really helped me in a moment of uh, deep depression. Like I was very right. depressed. Yeah, yeah. And watching this, well, there is no other way of saying it. It's pompous uh, elite in Seattle, <laughs> white elite man in Seattle. Right, right. Trying to just do good enough, not even good, just good right. enough, felt 
satisfying in a way. Okay. And so there is that for me. Uh, my favorite comedy show of all time, though, because I'm in my heart, I'm an 80 year old man, uh -huh. is Monty Python's Flying Circus. Oh, okay. Oh man, I haven't seen that one, but I've seen Holy Grail. So okay, <laughs> but okay, I get, I kind of get the, Holy like, Grail is. Yeah, Holy Grail is fantastic. I mean, my yeah. favorite uh, Monty Python movie is Life of Brian. Mm -hmm, I love mm -hmm. Life of Brian. Uh -huh. Like uh, every time I feel down, the uh, last song in that movie, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life. Is right, just, yeah. It's great <laughs> for me. I actually oh, yeah. do remember this bit. Uh, I'm hoping to one day make something out of it, but I do remember this bit from the 2012 London Olympics uh -huh. closing ceremony. Really? Eric Idol. Yeah, uh -huh. uh, I was very young then, but it was so weird for me. This old guy came out of the ground and started singing uh, Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, which was he, Eric Idol was singing it. Interesting, and, okay. Um, yeah, and there is this bit I urge you to, if you can, go and check it out. Yeah. He starts singing, some things in life are bad, they can really make you mad, other things just make you swear and curse. When you're chewing on life's gristle, don't grumble, give a whistle, and this will help things turn out for the best. And then he takes a pause, and you can hear everyone in the stadium saying, always, and then he starts, always look on the bright <laughs> side. Like, it's such a amazing scene for me that everyone starts singing always look on the bright right, side of right. life before he even gets there and i do recommend it's on it's on youtube yeah I think no yeah, i see i'm gonna YouTube watch channel that itself. As as done. yeah it's i for some reason that is stuck in my head <laughs> even though uh -huh. again 2012 i was like uh 15 yeah i was 15 right uh-huh and uh, so, yeah, my favorite show is Monty Python's Flying Circus. Then it's Black Adder. I don't know if you've seen I've Black heard, Adder or not. I've heard of it, but yeah, I haven't watched it yet. I mean, the, from I know Ron Atkinson will forever be Mr. Bean. And right. I used to watch a lot of Mr. Bean <laughs> when I was... Uh -huh. uh, when I was a kid, and I love him. Uh, actually, one of the things that I sort of managed to pass on to my cousin was I introduced Mr. Bean to her. Like okay. We, I sat down and we watched uh, a bunch of Mr. Bean on YouTube. And uh, for me, though, Ron Atkinson will always be Blackadder. Like, I see. Okay. Lord Edmund Blackadder. <laughs> Cool, cool. Because so I need to add so, that to my list of things to watch. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's not long. The good thing about uh, British shows, in contrast to many American shows, is that they're much shorter. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. I feel like that's true because I I I noticed that you're a Doctor Who fan, and I am as well a Whovian. Um, but yeah. yeah, each like Doctor, like each season, first of all, is significantly shorter than American uh, shows seasons. And then if they're introducing a new set of characters or a new main character, you know, it's just, I feel like they handle the dissection between pivotal moments in a TV series very well in contrast to American TV shows. I feel like American shows kind of either, they'll do one of two things. They'll either smush everything together all in one season 
or they'll drag it out too long than you are willing to stay mm-hmm. tuned for throughout the ser- the length of the show. And by then you lose interest and you don't want to watch it anymore. But I've always found that English shows tend to be a lot more entertaining and well-paced. I mean, I'm completely with you. One of my favorite American shows is Shameless that I actually like mm, way yeah. more than I like the UK version. Mm-hmm. And uh, I like right now, I know they are still going and I haven't watched the last season. And I'm like, okay. I don't know if I want to. Uh-huh. You like you kind of want to continue in your head. <laughs> you don't want it to end. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, for how long can you, how much misery can this family endure? <laughs> this is getting ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Doctor Who, who is your mm. favorite Doctor? Like, <laughs> oh, I can't pick one because okay, I I tell my friends I have like my top three. I have to say the you know the 10th doctor david tennant because he was like the very first episode that i ended up watching i was like homesick from school so it's very nostalgic for me watching his episodes but i love christopher eccleston's doctor because i feel his storyline with rose was just really sweet and just adorable and charming in every wonderful way and then i believe if i'm correct i think he's the seventh or eighth doctor if I'm correct, uh, the one with the scarf. I I haven't watched many of his episodes, but when I do see them... Oh, uh, I think it's the fourth Doctor. You mean Tom fourth. Baker? Yes, Tom Baker, yes. Yeah, he's the he's fourth, fourth doctor. doctor. Okay, my mistake then. Because he yeah. and the one... There's one who has like a flower in his jacket. Those two... I kind oh of yeah, that's... Uh... That's the fifth doctor, the Pete fifth doctor. Uh, Davidson. Peter Davidson. Okay, so yes, fourth and fifth, and then ninth and tenth are i would say my top favorite doctors because mm-hmm. i find myself enjoying more of their episodes than i do kind of the others so yeah what about you i i do understand uh well for me it's weird uh, my favorite doctor again you have to realize inside i'm an eight year old man is peter capaldi the 12th okay. doctor <laughs> understandable though yeah okay I, I have a thing for like weird old Scottish men. And, right. <laughs> and uh, the thing is that I love Peter Capaldi, but I don't love most of his era. Like, I mm. think he was a great actor. I yes. don't like his first two seasons. I, think I agree. Last was when he was starting to get being the doctor. And then, mm-hmm. well, just as he was getting into the role, he was replaced by Judy Whittaker. Right, who right. is again a great actress, but right. I do not like mm-hmm. what they're doing with the show. Yeah, yeah, same, same. It's, it, I don't know. I feel like they're trying to make it like super, like, I don't know, like just hyper whatever, but like so far uh, off of what Doctor Who, nat- like, here's Doctor Who, and here's where the whole fandom, you know, enjoys it. But they're trying to bring it so far off into the distance, like a Marvel movie, practically. And you're losing a good portion of the fandom by doing so. And it's no offense, you know, like we said to the actors, they're amazing actors on their own. And I'm sure in other projects, they're even better. It's just the work that they're given. It's like, oh, my gosh, you guys can do so much better than this, you know? Yeah, I I completely blame it on the showrunner, Chris Chibnall. I think he did not do a great job. 
Yeah. Uh, which makes me question the fact that Broad Church was okay. I'm like, was it you or was it like, mm -hmm. was it an accident or was it planned? Right, right. <laughs> and, no, yeah. Uh, yeah. Actually, when uh, when that when the season 11, I think, was the first mm -hmm. Jodie Whittaker story. I think when so. that came out, I, I don't know. I have to, I need to check it out. I'm sorry if that's wrong. Um, mm -hmm. When that was came, when, when the first episode came out, The Woman Who Fell to Earth, yeah, I wrote yeah. a piece for this Persian Huvian site. Oh, cool. Okay. Uh, long story. Yeah, long story short, uh, I named it Doctor Who Discovery. Okay. And I said, I've seen this before. This is what Star Trek Discovery started to do. And that ended up oh, really bad. I see. I yeah, is, yeah. Yeah, because I'm also tricky. And the current state of Star Trek on TV is mm -hmm. not very promising for me. Because again, I don't know if the main thing is, I don't know if I want to live in the world that they're depicting. Right, right, like, right. Doctor Who is no longer having a fun adventure. It's like uh, we need to have end of the world at every right. single episode. Yeah. Which, you know, could be fun, but when you. Yeah, but there's no hope. Try it's to, like. Yeah. They're making it too dark for the yeah. sake of being too dark. And exactly. the same is true for Star Trek. Like when I watched Picard, I was like, okay, first of all, you clearly didn't understand TNG. Like you mm -hmm. obviously either did not watch it or did not watch it right. Right, right, uh, yeah. There's this, there's this thing about, uh, and okay, I know I'm jumping from topic to topic, but uh, mm -hmm. I have this problem also with Zack Snyder. Okay. The way he looks at superheroes, like he looks at superheroes the way that Frank Miller does. Okay. And that is not a good way. Interesting, yeah, like okay. He, like the way he looks at them as violence is the answer. Yeah. That's that's not okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's the first time I actually heard someone put those two, you know, together. Actually, that makes a lot of sense. You're right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Snyder has a, I'm sorry for saying it like this, has a fetish for Frank Miller, I think, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, from 300, which, I mean, a part mm -hmm. of me is mad at 300 because I'm Persian, and so obviously mm -hmm. I'm right, mad right. at the movie because of the racism Betrayal. in it. But right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, the other part that I'm really mad at is that the fact that 300, at least for me, is a very ugly movie. Okay, like, yeah. visually. Yeah, it's over. It's so busy. I agree. And mm -hmm. I'm like, at at this point, it's just sensory overload. I right. can't take it anymore. Yeah. And uh, so you know, it's I, which is great because that is exactly what Frank Miller does. And I think this is mm -hmm. why Frank Miller working with Robert Rodriguez works in Sin City because right. Rodriguez know when to stop him. Like no exactly. Frank. Don't do yeah. this. No, a thousand percent. But I love Robert Rodriguez. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Uh, again, uh, jumping from branch to branch, <laughs> uh, I loved From Dusk Till Dawn. Yes, I, yes. I'm sure you've seen it. <laughs> it's uh, so good. Have you seen Planet Terror? 
I've seen Planet Terror. I've, yes. I've stuck, I've seen uh, Ground House, I think was the thing. Yeah, yeah the Ground House. And... Yeah, Death Proof and Planet Terror. Yeah. Yeah, Planet Terror, again, movies, I uh, I sort of deal with that in general. Movies are, as, as an art form, don't always need to be grim to be right. impactful. Like, uh-huh. Planet Terror is maddeningly stupid. Like, right <laughs> honestly yeah if you look at the but, story of it it's like really <laughs> yeah there is a woman with a machine gun for a leg yeah. like of course i'm not gonna take it seriously right the end right. of it is uh if i remember i don't remember who shoots bruce willis but he says thank you for yeah. service was it bruce willis uh i don't i don't remember no yeah i haven't seen I'm it sorry, in years yeah, me too. <laughs> but so it's like the last line of the movie is "Thank you for your service," and then they shoot the bad guy, and it's like, of course, this movie is not taking it so seriously, but right, that right. is still essential movie making. This is like exactly this is the stuff that I love. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, for, uh, but uh, for your listeners who haven't seen From Dust Till Dawn, don't look up anything about it. Just go and watch it. Right. Right, a thousand percent. Just blindly go in, put it on, and just enjoy. Yeah. It's just such a oh god, it's so good. <laughs> yes, if it helps you, it has George Clooney and Quentin Tarantino in yep. it. Exactly, and, and uh, Salma Hayek. I think. Yeah, yeah, Salma Hayek and Harvey Keitel. And for for some reason, Rodriguez loves to work with Cheech Marin. I don't know why. Right. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, but yeah. <laughs> I wonder yeah. if they're related. It's maybe. weird, but I mean, it's fun. Right, Esco exactly. says you had Robert De Niro and <laughs> Robert Rodriguez has Cheech Marin. Right, right. Yeah. Which, I mean, Cheech Marin was in my favorite uh, animated movie of all time, so I can't really fault that. Right, right. Which is, uh, <laughs> speaking of, like, I talked about all of this stylistic stuff, my favorite animated movie of all time is The Lion King. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. It, yeah, it's a good yeah. movie. I like that one. Yeah. My yeah. favorite of scene, course, I think, I is the original. stampede. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. stampede scene is marvelous. Like, Crazy, yeah. It scared that's... me when I was a little kid. I was like, oh my, like it captivated yeah. me. I was worried. But even as I got older, seeing it with more understanding and just the technical aspects of animation and, you know, 3D modeling and rendering, I thought this is a really good scene, <laughs> and the music yeah. and everything—it's just such a good scene. Now I'm I'm gonna probably lose you on this because okay. I actually cheered when Mufasa died. Really? <laughs> what? Yeah, I was a fan of Scar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, like somewhat understanding you now, like doing this interview, I I can see that. I can see why you would like Scar. <laughs> but it's funny because when I was younger, I liked the hyenas. I thought they were like funny and really cool and just you know so not stupid. Like okay, Ed I think was the stupid one. His name was Ed, but you know yeah. they were yeah. kind of just following along with you know Scar's plan. So I always kind of liked them because they were just doing their thing, you know, without any questioning or whatever. It's like okay, these guys don't yeah. really have a moral compass they're just doing what you know they're told so whatever <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> right and i mean uh i don't know if you've noticed uh in my 
videos or pictures i do have very long nails yeah yeah i've noticed uh, it reminds me of like what we do in the shadows <laughs> oh yes <laughs> right, right there is actually in the tv show there is an iranian guy uh uh-huh. like nando is supposed to be iranian he talks persian at some really? points of it and i'm like yeah i never they, oh I'll, my gosh okay now i know <laughs> yeah um, uh like there is this part of it where ghosts, the earlier ghosts are coming in. I think yeah, it's in yeah. season two. Okay. And uh, he he's walking around saying, uh, basically, where is my horse, John? And he's calling Aspam Jahan, oh. which is Persian for my horse, Jahan or John. Uh, oh my goodness. Okay. That's really cool. And, yeah, I never would have uh, thought that. Wow. Yeah, and it's sort of always weird for me to hear Persian in, well, prominently English-speaking shows. Right, And yeah. I was like, oh, my God. I mean, the guy's name is Kayvan, the actor's <laughs> name, so I knew he was probably Persian, but mm-hmm. hearing him talk was very weird. Yeah, and yeah. The, okay, the long nails, though, is actually from Scar. Like, uh, when I was a kid, ah, okay. Scar was my first role model okay not. <laughs> i know it's not good but i was a weird kid mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. he always had his nails out ready right, to fight yeah. and yeah. so from a very young age i kept my nails longer than usual nowadays it's just a habit i can't yeah. really cut them all the way i feel very weird sensations in my fingertip yeah. when i do that right but uh it started from scar and that's why mm-hmm. i have the long too because it kind of looks like a lion's mane <laughs> interesting very cool i love that see how like films influence our own and in, like internal you know personalities and characteristics it's very cool okay yeah thank you <laughs> yeah no yeah and yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you uh some of them probably not very good influences uh, like <laughs> when i was i think eight i uh-huh. watched full metal jacket no. on a tv station yeah what when you were eight yeah oh my gosh yes. okay <laughs> and uh okay uh it needs a bit of context i am not a bit i am overweight like i am okay. noticeably overweight and i you remember at the beginning of that movie they beat up the overweight guy right yeah very yeah. brutally and so first of all I'm a kid. I'm a bit overweight. They uh-huh. literally beating him up because he is overweight. Right. And so that was really kind of traumatizing for me. And then years later, I am mm-hmm. watching the works of Stanley Kubrick. Like, okay. he's an important director. I need to watch him. I yeah. get to Full Metal Jacket. It gets to that scene and I have like PTSD flashbacks. I'm oh like, oh, my I know this scene. I remember this movie. Oh. The same thing also happened with uh, Shawshank Redemption. I remember yeah, yeah. the books was here scene. Oh and when I was watching God. the movie, I'm like, I remember this scene. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness. Maybe Ali. It might. <laughs> yes. It might explain a lot of stuff about me now, mm-hmm. but you know. Therapy is very expensive, so... <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it 
it's like as long as you're not hurting anyone else or yourself i guess you're fine you know <laughs> yes exactly right <laughs> you, yes you're lying down thinking that oh my god the world is gonna end but you know you'll get over it you'll right exactly eventually <laughs> You'll eat lunch and you'll be fine. <laughs> yes. Well, with that said, if you have the means, people go to a therapist. Believe Definitely. me, it's the luxury that you yes. need. <laughs> a thousand percent. Yes. To our listeners, if you do need help and you do have the means, please definitely take advantage of, you know, self-care and all of those things, you know. But yes, if you don't, you yeah. know, just, you know, do your thing within moderation. Don't hurt anyone else or yourself and just you know, be cool. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so, yeah, I, I, as I said, that that's who I am. Basically, I'm the guy who washed full metal jackets when he was eight, and it messed him up. <laughs> the weird thing is, I don't remember the second half of the movie at all. Like, I have no memories of watching the second half when I was really when I was a kid. Yeah, I think the. Oh. Because, well, the uh, spoiler alert for people uh -huh. who haven't seen right, the right. very old movie, the fat guy kills himself at the midpoint. Yeah, yeah. And so I that guess my interest in the movie when the fat people were out and the thin people became the heroes, I was like, no, right. I'm not interested. Yeah. No, not that would believable. make sense. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. That that actually makes a lot of sense. It would probably, it's like your subconscious kind of blocked it out the re like the rest of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, again, it's a great movie though. Do yeah, watch no, it, yeah, but not when you're eight. Like, right, you right. eight year olds. It's definitely not a children's movie. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty much it. Let me see. Do you have any other like questions or things you want to talk about, Ali? Well, uh, you did mention you were Doctor Who fan. I was wondering if you any other fandoms that you identify with oh yeah oh my gosh let me see there's you know doctor who sailor moon a little bit of card capture sakura um friends i love friends friends is like one of my favorite shows steven universe oh man oh, yeah, yeah mostly around shows yeah. yeah yeah i do i do get that i mm. i used to be a huge fan of both regular show and adventure time okay yeah um, yeah yeah, Adventure Time ended better than regular show, uh, mm -hmm. I think. I agree. No, yeah. But, it, I feel like it's more fun and yeah. goofy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Regular show at some point at the last season went so far up its own year that I was like, okay, at this point, you're basically just making fun of yourself and not in a good right. way. <laughs> right, right. And uh, yeah, I also love Lord of the Rings, by the way. Uh, oh, yes, I it's not yes. in my top 100 movies. Definitely, Lord of the Rings, Harry I Potter, love definitely. Them. Yes, I'm actually in the middle of reading The Cimmerillion right now because the um, show Rings of Power is supposed to come out in September. So I, I had never read, oh, yeah. like, yeah, because I've only seen the movies growing up and I loved them so much. I oh. wanted to make like a schedule for myself before the new show that comes out for me to read. The Cimmerillion, The Unfinished Tales, and then read through The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings so that I have all of the information regarding the stories in my head while watching the show. This way I can, you know, put things together and see what's different from the books and what new things they add just for the show. So, yeah. 
to be honest, that will be uh, as someone who has read the books, uh, the uh-huh. trilogy, the Hobbit, Anselm Ulyan. It's gonna basically ruin your life because you realize, oh my god, I have all of this knowledge of this world that Tolkien has created, and to be honest, you kind of realized how little application that has in real life. But aside right, from that, right. it's pretty fun. <laughs> right? No, yeah, exactly. I feel like I, I I won't really gain much out of it, but I'm just doing it to enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, actually, the movies, uh, I remember watching them when I was very young again, like 11, yeah. 12, I think. Mm-hmm. And I remember watching the second one uh, on Iranian TV. They played uh-huh. the movie on Iranian TV and they split the movie up, the second movie. Oh, you were like watching an hour and a half I see. Uh, tonight, okay. and then an hour and a half tomorrow night. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember because... I. I uh, okay, uh, this again needs a bit of explanation. Um, mm. I remember starting watching it at my grandmother's house. Okay. And we needed to go back to our house because mm-hmm. it was the night we needed to go back there. And yeah. like when the commercial started, I basically dragged my father, okay, let's go home. Let's go home. Right, right, right. We need to get home before the <laughs> so show starts. <laughs> yes. And uh, I still do believe after re-watching them all, that the second one is actually the best movie of the bunch. Uh, Two Towers, really? I think, is the best. Yeah, because uh, I, uh, Fellowship of the Ring, for me, is a lot of setup, which yeah. understandably it is. Like, right. you need to set up the world, you need to set up the characters. Mm-hmm. Return of the King is a lot of loose, tying the loose ends, but right. it's also a bit too uh, cluttered, in my opinion. Like, too okay. much stuff going on. And all of them are happening around the same area. Like it's all yeah. about Gondor. But yeah. in the two towers, you have uh, basically three different stories. You have Gollum mm-hmm. and Frodo and Sam. Right. You yeah. have Mohan and uh, the Battle of Helm's Deep. And then yeah. you have Isengard and Ents. Exactly. And all oh, three yeah. are so greatly told. And also it has... Uh, I know people like Saruman, but I think the one of the best villains of the movie is Saruman. Okay, and, yeah. And to be honest, I think all of it, if not, I think most of it, not if not all of it, is Christopher Lee's performance. I agree. Because Saruman the White, yeah, Saruman the White. Uh, I mean, when you when you get to the books. It's not the best character ever written. And okay. Even in the movies, it's not very well written, but it's the performance. Like it's Christopher Lee's right. voice and his yeah. commanding presence. Exactly. No, and yeah, he's scary. Yeah. Like the dude yeah. knows how to embody. And I, I, I remember watching the special features and it said that apparently like he was a huge fan of, you know, the whole Tolkien universe and all the characters, oh, it's yeah. like he was made for that role almost. It was kind of interesting to see. Okay, this is a bit of uh, urban legend mixed with mm-hmm. Christopher Lee's own recollection. Apparently, mm-hmm. Christopher Lee met Tolkien, like when he was very yes, young. Yes, I've, I've heard that room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And Tolkien told him, if they ever make a movie of Lord of the Rings, you should play Gandalf. And so it's... Two thousand, it's yeah, it's the late 90s. Uh, Peter Jackson is trying to make Lord of the Rings. And this, like, 80-year-old 
well, there is no other way of saying it. Villainous looking person comes right. in and says, I want to be Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> Tolkien oh told me you should be Gandalf. And yeah, wow. there is there is a lot of stuff actually. He was a uh, Christopher Lee is one of the influential people in my life, I think, because mm -hmm. uh, reading his life story and his struggles, struggles in uh, art sense, because he really he was a very privileged person coming right. from a very noble family. Like uh, yeah, so he, he was privileged, but you know, struggles in trying to get work mm -hmm, is. Mm -hmm kind of inspirational for me but uh, the thing is that uh, Christopher Lee uh, I, I probably you've heard this it's one of those things that people say um, when he was stabbed in the back when someone mm -hmm. was stabbed in the back by mm -hmm. Tongue, um, Peter Jackson goes to Christopher Lee and says you need to you know you need to yell ah and Christopher Lee tells him that when you're stabbed in the back, you don't yell. Your breath goes in, not out. And well, of course, Jackson says, how do you know? And says, I've seen people get stabbed in the back in the war. Oh my and gosh. he tells stuff about, he was in the secret intelligence services. Yeah, because I think he has also a connection to the guy who did James Bond, the writer. What's his name? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Ian Fleming. Uh, yes, Ian Fleming. step cousin. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, he's his yes. step cousin. Okay. And apparently, okay, this is kind of, uh, you need to realize this was the 60s. It doesn't excuse it. Just to show you how racist people were back then. Mm -hmm. Christopher Lee had this extremely racist character called Fu Manchu. Yes, like, I've heard. Yeah. And when Ian Fleming wanted to, when they wanted to make Dr. No, Ian Fleming mm -hmm. wanted Christopher Lee to play, play Dr. No mm -hmm, because mm -hmm, of Fu Manchu. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, it, it didn't matter in the end. At the end of the day, you still went with a white guy and made him look Asian. Mm -hmm, so you were mm -hmm. still racist. You just used right. a different actor. Right, right, yeah. Wow. <laughs> because... Uh, yeah, because it was the 1960s, and oh my God, I just remembered. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. I was talking about this the other day, so that's why it's in my head. The breakfast yeah. at Tiffany's. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, <gasps> I forgot about yeah, Mickey Rooney, right? Yes, Mickey Rooney in that movie is. Uh, it's horrible. Oh not, my God. Yeah, and I I don't hate the movie, but it, right. watching it nowadays, it's like it's so cringy. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Right, I, right. Yeah. Honestly, I fast forward to most of his scenes. Yeah. Like, okay, let's get to Moon River. Let's right, get to exactly. Moon River, people. It's like, I can't sit through this. It's literally uncomfortable to watch. It, I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. And uh, I love musicals. Uh, mm -hmm. Musicals and westerns are my favorite genres, and both of them have an incredibly checkered past. Yeah. Like, yeah. Incredibly. Uh, I mean, right. westerns in the depiction of uh, Native Americans were right. appalling. Even yeah. John Ford, like one of the big guys, sort of later in life admitted, yeah, I was kind of racist. <laughs> Right. No, exactly. And, uh, and I'm like, at least he said something. Yeah, My uh, gosh, there are plenty of people that don't say anything at all. Yeah. And uh, musicals were 
incredibly hard to watch in the 30s and 40s right, yeah. because of well uh fred astor wore blackface in top hat i think mm -hmm. for his time. i think you're right yeah and it's like yeah i'm like this is very uncomfortable i don't want to watch this but at right. the same time it's part of the history of this genre. I can't ignore it. And so it's right. like, okay, I need to, I, I need to acknowledge that it's wrong. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. I, I, it's yeah. interesting because I, there was a movie on Amazon I was watching yesterday that I'd never heard of because it said something like, oh, movies you haven't seen or something like that. So I was, cause sometimes I'll watch like old fashioned movies like Damn Yankees or something. Mm. And this movie came called Watermelon Man, and I'd never seen it before. And it's an African American actor who starts, well, spoiler alert, who starts the movie oh, okay. off in white face, but his character, you know, he he's playing a white man. And in the middle of the movie, well, not middle, but like towards the beginning of the movie, his character's skin turns black. So, you know, like they wash off the white face makeup, and now he's playing himself essentially but he's still acting as the white character, just, you know, with his brown skin. And oh. I thought, how was this movie made? Like, I mean, I understand yeah. it's a period of its time, but you would, like, I would think, you know, they wouldn't make something like this so blatantly, you know, I guess offensive in a way to many yeah. people because it's not just his doing the white face and acting a certain way but you know there's a bunch of subtext with the other characters that he interacts with in the movie and there are you know connotations of you know socioeconomic basically everything that's wrong in society regarding how white people are treated and how black people are treated but it was a very interesting film to see because it helped put into perspective how Amer how filmmaking was made and viewed in America at a certain point in time. I think mm -hmm. that it came out in 1970, I think, or 71. So yeah, like around the 60s, mm -hmm. it was made probably, and then it was released in the 70s. But it, yeah, it's very interesting to see. And movies like, you know, The Seven Faces of Dr. Lau, you know, Tony Randall playing an Asian man. It's yeah. like... Yeah. Like, why not just hire an agent actor, you know? And it's sad to see, but some yeah. of these things still happen to this day. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's incredibly weird. And okay, this is kind of like YouTube stuff. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. know if you watched uh, Internet Comment Etiquette with Eric. No, no, I haven't. Mm -mm. Uh, well, he's a YouTube channel. Uh, I do recommend. It's, it's a weird bit of humor. He made mm -hmm. a video kind of mocking people who were saying that uh, the new Lord of the Rings is woke, so it's bad, even mm -hmm. though the show mm -hmm. hasn't been out yet. Right, yeah. And there was this other YouTuber, Sargon of Akkad. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, well, there's no better way of saying it. He's a white supremacist, misogynistic mm -hmm. asshole. Mm -hmm. responded to that and saying like yeah you know why did they only do Asian actors in Shang-Chi and mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. that is why uh, we should have only white actors in Lord of the Rings 
Mm. And first of all, uh, well, first that that's a story about uh, Chinese peoples. Of course, right, they're not right. gonna they're not gonna have a Mr. Miyagi situation again. No, no not exactly. Mr. Miyagi. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember Miku in this character. Mr. Miyagi no, was no, yeah. Kra- uh, Karate I forgot kid. his name, but right, yeah. Yeah, but uh, the thing is that uh, Lord of the Rings is not. It's not supposed to be white people. Like exactly. hobbits are not white people. Elves are not people. Just be right. Tolkien, yeah. Tolkien uh, described them as fair. Exactly. Like, with white, uh, with pale faces. Right. But that's because he only like talked about the. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm calling them Rivendell assholes because they were Rivendell right. assholes. Like they were yeah. the high elves. No, exactly. And, yeah, they uh, thought you know very highly of themselves. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if you've played uh, Skyrim or not. Uh, no. Well, uh, there are three races of elves in there: uh, high elf, okay. dark elf, wood elf, and mm-hmm. like the high elves in Skyrim, I think are the best representations of how Tolkien's elves would have right. been if they were more. Well less uh, up their own behinds. Okay, They yeah. are a bunch of holier-than-thou warmongers that think they know better. I so see, like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in I do recommend Skyrim, even though Skyrim has become a joke with how many right. like, releases it's gotten, but you know, uh, yeah, I do I've recommend it still. <laughs> yes. You can't play it on your fridge. <laughs> <laughs> God, Todd Howard. God damn it, Todd Howard. <laughs> well, uh, I I hope I didn't bore you with all of this stuff. No, no, this was great. It was a lot of like just fun to just chit chat about like nerd stuff and geeky stuff. So, yeah, um, yeah. what is it? Um, I work in a place where I just started a job actually. So I'm not sure who of my coworkers yet is into like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter and Doctor Who and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't gotten a chance to really talk about it with people. So it was really nice actually being able to talk with you today about it. So yeah, it was great.